Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Uh, if you don't know this, it is actually Back to School Sunday. It's a special day that we have. There's a couple things that are happening. First of all, we're going to be uh, praying over all of our students. And uh, also, every student gets, uh, we got them a free treat here in just a little bit. And they're also prom being promoted. Uh, the kids that are going, you know, some kids are going from preschool to elementary or whatever. And uh, so kids are being, getting promoted to other classes. So kind of a special moment for them to get to, to be promoted to the next class. And also, uh, we're going to just be ministering to the kids through prayer. I'm going to ask everybody, before we do, uh, this is not all of our students. This is, uh, this is just our grade school students. So in just a second, we're going to ask everybody to come up. But before I do that, I just want to know quickly, if you're a part of school administration, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a principal, or real quickly, uh, and you're in the house, will you stand? Is anybody here that's a part of the school? Okay, if you remain standing, just remain standing. Uh, we're going to see if we can get you guys to sing. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody else, go ahead and stand with them. Here's what we want to do. Uh, I know that not all of our... It, okay, if you are... This is the ones that are just in our classrooms. We just want to know, if you will, if you are a student, a high school student, college student, whatever you are, uh, uh, Votech school, whatever, we want all the students up, up front. If you'll come on up. Come on up. All the students, come on up. We're not going to do anything weird. We're just going to, we just want to recognize you. We're going to, we're just going to ask everybody to, yeah, we want all of our students up here, all of our high school, college, grade school, whatever you are. Now, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in school these days. These are troubled times. So I just want to take this time and ask God to protect our students. Is that okay? Another thing is, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't get any phone calls this year and have to go down and have a, a conference with the teacher because of how your kid acted? Would that be a great year? Wouldn't it be nice if they, all, if they made just great, uh, great grades every single day? And We just want to pray a special blessing on their lives, protection, and God's favor. We also want to pray for... We also want to pray for uh, the administration, the, the principals, the teachers, just everything that goes along with school. We want to pray for them on this special day. All right? So what I want to ask you to do, if you're standing out there, just extend your hands. Uh, if you're seated next to somebody or standing next to somebody that's a principal or a teacher, put your arm around them. Put your arm on their shoulder if you don't know them. And let's pray for that person, and let's pray for a good year in school. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have. Thank you for an education that is a right of our culture. Thank you for that. Thank you for, for education. Thank you for students, and thank you for teachers. Lord, we first ask that you will protect every student, every teacher, every administration person, every coach this year. Lord, will you watch over them, and will you protect them, God? I know that we, as, as parents, wish that we could always be there for our kids, but we can't. So, when they're at school, we put them in your hands, and we ask, Lord, that you will protect them, Lord. In, the, in these seasons and in these troubled times, Lord, watch over our kids. In schools all over the county, Lord, I ask that you will protect these children, protect these kids, protect these high school students, these college students, wherever they go to school. Protect the teachers. Protect the administration, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, guard and protect every student, every teacher that is here in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I ask 
that you'll help us to represent you well, that when we are at school, that we remember that we represent you no matter what we do, God. So as we are old enough to tell the difference, God, I pray that you will help us to represent you well and to honor you in the way that we act. May we be good citizens, good neighbors, Lord, to who's ever sitting next to us, God. And Lord, I pray that as teachers and administration, that we lead with patience, Lord, give us wisdom. I pray, God, that you will give us direction, Lord. Yeah, and most of all, Lord, give us patience, God, in the name of Jesus. And give us a good year. Give us the best year yet we can have for this county and this school. We thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Just like everybody needs a good home, everybody needs a really good home church. And over the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time. And we're going to talk about that sense of home that coming to know Christ gives you. You were created for a home. And you have a sense of home on the inside of you, not only demographics, but also in a spiritual sense. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about Faith Co. Church. Everybody here has chosen to go to church here. There are 140, 150 options in the county of where you can go to church. But for some reason, you've decided to go to Faith Co. Church. And I'm glad you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you chose Faith Co. Church. For whatever reason, you're here. Well, we're going to cover some things over the next few weeks that you might, know, might not know about Faith Co. Church. That there are some things. We're not just showing up having service and, and singing and preaching. There's a lot of things that we do and a lot of things that we're about. There is a purpose behind everything that we do that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks as we talk about this place we call home. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. And, and thank you for this new series. I ask, Lord, as we dive into this series, Lord, that you will unctionize my speech. May I speak boldly and clearly what your spirit will say. And help us to receive what you want to say to us in every week of this series in Christ's name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, well, welcome home. Can I ask you a question? How did you end up here? I mean, how did you end up in Pot County? How did you end up in, in Shawnee or Tecumseh or McLeod or Bethel or Dale or Meeker, wherever you live in this county or, or maybe you live beyond this county? How did you end up here? Are you here because you chose to live here or are you here kind of like default? Your parents lived here, your grandparents lived here. I'm here because my grandfather moved here from California during the Depression. He moved here and I've just always lived here and and uh, I, I used to live, you know, 20 years ago, I lived a long ways away. I mean, a long ways away, all the way in Tecumseh. About 20 years ago, I made my pilgrimage 10 miles north to, to Shawnee. I haven't, somebody asked me the other day, how did you, uh, how long have you lived here? I'm pretty much born and raised here. I, I, I spent a little a couple of years in Ada when I was about five years old, but most of my life is right here. How did you end up here? I mean, I talked to somebody the other day that, they said, well, I used to live in California, but now I live here. I'm like, well, why, why did you move? From, I always want to know that. I always want to know why people would move from another state to Oklahoma because I'm just, I'm just interested in why, that, why they would do that. Last week, I was in Bricktown, and they have this thing called the Rapids. I, have you guys been down the Rapids at Bricktown yet? If you haven't had the opportunity to do that, I'm telling you, that's something really cool in Oklahoma City that we, 
that we have the opportunity to do. I was really, really surprised. I was thinking, okay, we're just going to kind of float along. No, that's a category three rapid. And then they're like, they do something crazy. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're not going to do this very much longer because it's too dadgum dangerous. They give you an inner tube and let you go down those rapids, and they put a helmet on you. I hit my head on, on blocks. I've got skin up elbows. I'm sore. I mean, it was rough. I was thinking to myself, yeah, they're going to shut that down. Somebody's going to get seriously injured. So go do it before they shut it down. Because <laughs> you're down there and you're like, I'm in so much in pain, but that was so much fun, okay? But anyway, as I was there, I was taking a look at the, the river and the water. And uh, as I was thinking... You know, our lakes and our rivers, they have about zero visibility. I mean, when you go into the water, you can't see anything. And our lakes, our lakes and our rivers, they're, they're different and because they're red and muddy. And people in Colorado would not appreciate our whitewater rapids. In fact, we don't have any whitewater, you know what I'm saying? They, they would not appreciate that because they're red and, and muddy. I would not call. They call it the Oklahoma River, but it's really, we know what that river's called, right? What's that river really called? It's called the Canadian River. And we all know where it comes from. We know what, what it flows through. And I'm telling you right now, that's not fresh spring water. And don't drink the water. We were on that river, the, uh, the, the Oklahoma River up there, and we were paddling around, and, and we were kayaking around, and somebody splashed me, and I got some of that water in my mouth, and I was like, <laughs> you don't drink that water. It's, it's, it's different. This is, this is, we know this about that. That's not natural spring water. People in California, people in Florida, people in Louisiana, with their coastline, they do not appreciate Shawnee Twin Lakes. They're just not impressed with that. They're not impressed with, with Lake Thunderbird. But do you know what I did last week? I got on a river that's about a quarter of a mile stretch across with a current, and I got on a great big paddleboard, and I laid down, and I actually fell asleep for about five minutes as I was floating, completely unconcerned about a 12 or 15-foot alligator biting me. I was completely unconcerned about that. I was completely unconcerned about a shark mistaking me for a seal because we don't have to deal with that in Oklahoma. Amen? Amen. We, don't, we don't have to deal with that. A few months ago, I watched a movie about, it wasn't a true story, but it, it could be. It was about a part of Florida that got flooded. All the rains it rained really hard and it got flooded. And what happened was the alligators, you know, went a little bit inland and they got out of their areas and they got under the houses and then they got, you know, people were trying to get away because of the flood. And as they were walking around, they were, they were attacking people. What keeps that from happening? I'll tell you what keeps it happening. Nothing keeps that from happening because they got alligators. You know what an alligator is? It's a miniature dinosaur. And they're dealing with that in Florida and Louisiana. I got, I got no desire to go there. I, I've heard people talk, well, they won't bother you. How do you know they won't bother you? You know, we just only take one bite and twist in the water. Have you ever seen a shark in open water? Have you ever been swimming and seen it? It's different than seeing it on television. When I was uh, scuba diving a few years back, a 12-foot tiger shark swam over my head. You've never seen a diver make so many bubbles. Out both ends of my body. <laughs> I like it here where there are no grizzly bear. 
You know what I'm saying? We're, we're the biggest, meanest thing in the woods. I like it here in, in Pottawatomie County where the only thing that you have to worry about being attacked by is a wild deer. But that's a different story. I'll tell you about it later on. I'll take the good and the bad because this is my home. Every time I, I travel to other places, and I've had the opportunity to travel and see some beautiful places in the world, and if, 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 you've ever been to, if you've ever been to Hawaii, you know that God made a special place and put it over there so we could all be jealous of it, and why can't we all live there? You know what I'm saying? Hawaii is a beautiful place, and I've, I've seen some other places that just incredible, and, I, and, and God has given me the opportunity to see these things, but there's no place like home. And it's not because we're so beautiful. I, I always like to say this, that God gave Oklahoma its own special curse called red mud. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like he's a, we're, gonna, we're just going to curse them special with red. It's going to stick to all their boots and turn all their whites pink. But there's no place like home. And no matter where I go, no matter where I travel, I land in Will Rogers Airport. And when you get there, you know you're there because there's nobody there. There's, there's never way too many people walking through the airport. You just get right through to, to baggage claim and walk out and go to your car. And then you just head east on 240 or head east on I-40. And it, there's no traffic there when you come home, hardly ever, and, except for the, the, the construction going on right now. But usually there's no traffic and it's, it's getting better and with that, and then, and then, you know, I'm heading east on I-40, and when I see the lights of the casino, I know that I'm about to hit 177, and when I hit 177, I'm going to turn north, and I'm going to pull into my home, because there's no place like home. What I'm talking about isn't so much, or is much, much more than demographics. It's also about other aspects that give us a sense of home. We all need a place called home in our hearts and in our lives. We are called to it and we are created for it. And because our Lord has a purpose for that, he put a sense of home in all of us. He has a purpose for that that brings us together within his body, a place called home. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about this place that we called home. You know, I suppose the saddest state that anybody can ever experience is to be homeless. A local mission here in Shawnee once estimated that there are always between 100 and 150 homeless people in our city. They are homeless. I can't imagine what it would be like to be homeless. There are some people that don't have a choice for that. But you know there are some people that leave home and they choose to leave home. And Jesus talks about that in a parable. And I want to go to a story in the Bible in Luke 15 and 1. We know this story as the prodigal son. But this is actually a story about a son, about two sons. One left home. He would leave a place that he loved. He couldn't get away from it. He got lost. But when he remembered his home, he eventually came home. But to go to that story, I want to back up a little bit. And I want to give a little background of why Jesus even told this story. And I think a lot of times we miss this. Go to Luke, the 15th chapter and the first verse. Luke 15 and 1. Now, it starts out with this. The, the heading of this story is called the parable of the lost sheep. But have you ever wondered who Jesus was talking to and why he was even telling this? Always ask yourself, when you read the Bible, when you read passages in the Scripture, or you read what Jesus is saying to make a point, always ask yourself, 
you know, the who, what, when, where, why. We're just specifically asking, who's he talking to, and why is he saying this? All right, let me answer that question by just reading the scripture. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. Now, let's just stop there for a second. I find it interesting that it didn't just say that they were grumbling because Jesus was eating with sinners. It took a, a, a certain profession and said Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. That, that in it is, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a certain profession here in our culture that was associated with just being a sinner? Like, wouldn't it be interesting if, if it was like, you know, well, if you're, if, if you're a construction worker and a sinner, you're really not welcome in our home. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of like that was with tax collectors. No matter what you did in your life, if you could just lay your head down at night and say, at least I'm not a tax collector. Because that's the way they were thought of. They were hated. Here's why. Tax collectors were their own people. They were usually Jewish people that worked for the government who had taken them over, which was the Roman government. They came in and, and, and taken over the Jewish nation or, or the Israelites, and they collected tax for them, and by payment, they could, uh, they could uh, charge a premium. So not only would they collect taxes, but to pay for their way of life, they would rip people off. So people hated tax collectors, and that's why the religious leaders didn't li like the, uh, the tax collectors because, you know, what they did. But also... They associate him with sinners. So, okay, so here's the deal. The question is, why was Jesus eating with and spending time with tax collectors? That was the question, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to Pharisees, and he was talking to scribes. That's who Jesus was talking to. Now, this, it's very important that we realize this. This was just not a group of people. This wasn't like... You know, at Mount of Olives, a sermon. This was a specific demographic of people. These were religious leaders. These were like church people that were kind of like leadership. This would be like pastors or, or whatever. That the people that knew the law, people that knew scripture, people that knew the Bible, people that were teachers of the scripture were grumbling about what Jesus was doing. So Jesus was speaking specifically to, to religious leaders of the day. Okay, so here's what he says. The question was, why are you eating with sinners? Why are you hanging out with people that are considered ceremonial? And why in the world are you breaking bread with these people? They didn't even eat with them. They were not welcome in their homes. So Jesus says this to them in response to their question. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is what? Lost. Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The first thing I want you to see about this story is Jesus pursues those who are lost. If you think of the mission of Jesus, he would tell you, I have come to save sinners. He was constantly saying this to people. People that are sick, 
Our people who are not sick don't need a physician. But I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, what he was saying, he was giving a great emphasis on the lost by saying, okay, the 99 are important. It's not that the 99 are important. It's just that, that, that one is lost. And when one is lost, you put all your effort and you put all your resources into the people that are lost. What was going on with the Pharisees is they had lost their sense of we are supposed to be reaching people. We are supposed to be getting people involved in church. We are supposed to be getting people on this side of the fence, not keeping people out. They were keeping people out. So Jesus was saying, I'm showing you something brand new for my church. I'm going after lost people. Have you ever lost one of your kids in the grocery store at Walmart? You ever lost your kids? One time I was, uh, I was at work. I got a phone call. Hey, the kids are lost. Hey, could you repeat that? The kids are lost. So we go home, and been, they were gone for like four hours. The police were out there. All kinds of room. We didn't know what was going on. We finally found them. There's no worse feeling than one of your kids being lost. There is no worse frantic, help me find my kids. And you know what's, what's unhelpful? You know what doesn't help? What if somebody would come up to you and say, because, you know, 99, one sheep, if one gets lost, you know, you still have 99. What if somebody were to come up to you, if you've ever lost your kid, you got three kids, and one of them's lost, and they say, hey, it's okay. You got two more at home. That doesn't help. Hey, it's all right. You, you can have more kids. If you lose a couple, not a big deal. That, that, that's, that's, not, that's not the way it works, is it? The only thing that matters is what? The lost kid. Okay, you, you, you three are okay. It's, it's going to work. Okay, your, your mind is completely off of them, and it's only on that one kid that is lost. And then at the same time, the other kids that are saved, you would say, hey, help me find the one that is lost. I think that Jesus is trying to emphasize this. Pharisees, religious leaders, people in the church, listen, there are people just like you that I want to be a part of my house and a part of my body, but you're not thinking about the lost. Here's what happens a lot of time in church. A lot of times we get so used to being in church and we spend so much time, we spend so much time and in, in, in decades past that we've followed Christ that we lose our sense of focus on the people that are lost. And that's just kind of part of the way church works. You give your life to Christ, you kind of have this shift in some of your friends, because not because you think you're better than anybody, that's not why, what happens. What happens is you get involved in a connect group, they're, they're kind of headed in the same path that you're headed in, and it, it's not really relevant when, when you're trying to go this direction with your family, this direction with your life, trying to raise your kids a certain way, trying to follow Christ. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, and it's not relevant to people that don't follow the Lord. It's just a natural move in a certain direction. But you do that over the process of a decade. You wake up one day and find yourself in a position where you have no friends in your life that are lost. And you can't reach people without a relationship with them. And I'm, I'm, let me ask you a question. When is the last time you reached out to a lost person? And I'm talking to myself, all right? I am talking to myself. When is the last time that you actually was intentional about having a conversation? I'm not talking about inviting them to church. I'm just talking about just having a conversation with a person that doesn't know Christ. And, and, and what Jesus was doing, he spent time in their homes. 
He sat down with him. He, he would just eat with them, and, and eventually it would come up. They would ask him questions. Eventually, if you follow Christ, eventually somebody's going to come to a, a, a dead-end wall, and they're going to just ask you about your relationship with God. When people go through trouble, that's when they start asking questions. And what Jesus was telling the, the disciples and also the religious leaders is you have lost your sight of people that are lost. The reason, the very fact that you're asking me why I'm eating with sinners means that you have lost your sight of what these people are and who these people are. They're just like you. They're Jewish people. They're just like you. They're supposed to be with us. They're just like us. They have just lost their way. Amen? That's what he was trying to say to them. So the first thing I want you to realize is, number one, Jesus pursues those who are lost. Jesus pursues those who are lost. Number two, Jesus values those who are lost. Jesus values those who are lost. The eighth verse says, or what woman having ten silver coins? These silver coins were specific if you look these up in the Greek, they were worth about a day's wage, an entire day's wage. He says, of what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus values those who are lost. And he was telling them, I value, the reason I'm eating with sinners, the reason that, that, that I break bread with them, the reason I am in their homes is because they, they, they have great value to me. Do we value people that are lost? Have you ever lost something that you cared for? Have you ever lost something of great value? Have you ever lost your wallet? Or your purse? Have you, have you, what, about your, what about your car keys for an extended amount of time? It's not that you're carrying around so much money. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that it's, it's that to replace all of those credit cards takes a lot of time. Because you're going to you're gonna have to talk to that computer on the phone. You know what I'm talking about. If, have you ever, there's no bigger hassle than to lose your driver's license. And then you have to go down there and sit and wait and pay extra and stand in line and have to deal with people's attitudes and all that. Have you ever lost something? Jesus was saying there's, there's value in people that are lost, something of great value. A lost person has great value to our Lord. So, so Jesus sets the precedence here. He says, first of all, I want you to know that, that, that I seek after those that are lost. And number two, I value those that are lost. And then he goes into a different parable. He, he had to lay a foundation of seeking and searching and great value in order to go into this or to make this turn into this story of a lost son. There was a reason why he tells these two stories before he tells this one of the lost son. Let's read that. I'll read kind of fast, but just in case you know the story. 11th verse says, and he said, there was a man who had how many sons? He had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And, he, and the father divided the property with them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. And he took a long journey into far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to the, one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Notice that there is not a more unclean animal to a Jewish person than a pig. Jesus is, me, Jesus is doing something with this story. He says, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, or it says, and he, lo- and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So not only was this guy hanging out with pigs, but he was eating and longing for the pig's food. And when he came to himself, I like this phrase, when he came to himself, in other words, he had lost the sense of himself. He lost who he was. By leaving home, he lost a sense of the fact that he had a father that, that loved him. He came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to the father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. Notice once again that this is a young man that had been hanging around pigs, and these are kosher Jewish men. What did he do? He embraced him. And now they're all grossed out, thinking to themselves, he is unclean. You couldn't worship if you've touched a pig. You could not go into the house of worship. You would not be able to worship for, for, if you touched a pig, you would not be able to worship for about seven days. You would have to go through a process of being spiritually cleansed and physically cleansed. So they're looking at this as Jesus knowing all of those laws and saying, wait a minute, this dude's been hanging out with pigs. And it wasn't enough that he, inv- he, he welcomed him, but he embraced him. And if that weren't enough, listen to this. Not only did he embrace him, but th- he says, and then he kissed him. What? And then they all started puking. Doesn't say that. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted or the prized calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was what? Lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. Number three, Jesus welcomes those who are lost. He doesn't just value, he doesn't just pursue, but Jesus welcomes. What does that mean? Sin takes us to dark places. Sin takes us to places that, that where we don't even recognize ourselves, and it causes us to do things. We fall into areas where we don't even recognize ourselves, and we forget ourselves. Jesus said this in the book of John, that people love darkness because their deeds are evil. If you think about it, most of the time, sin is done in the dark. People gravitate when they long for sin. They gravitate towards darkness because their deeds are evil. Sin takes us to dark places that separate us from God. A lot of people will tell me before, maybe you've said this, or maybe you've heard somebody say this, you know, I'd go to your church, but man, the ceiling would fall in. You ever heard, have you ever heard anybody say that? Maybe you've said it before. Well, I, you know, if I ever walked in there, the, the roof would cave in. My answer to that is we... We have uh, really beefed up the ceiling and the walls. Worse people than you. Me. If the, if the ceiling can stand me walking in, it can stand you walking in. You know, what really, and we joke about that, but people, what they're saying is, you don't know what I've done. And people feel unworthy. People feel unwelcomed, and they feel like there's really no way 
that I can be a part of God's house or be a part of the Lord, and there's no way that he can love me because of the things that I've done. And I think that what Jesus was giving the example, all the terrible things that this son has done, you see the response of the father is that he welcomed him because the only thing that mattered, it didn't matter what he had done, the only thing that mattered was he was home. He welcomes and he also, he restores. Look at what the father did. When, when the son came home, he had a certain thing that he was going to say and he had, had a certain expectation that I will be a servant. But the father wouldn't hear any of that. He immediately interrupted him and said, hey, bring, bring back his robe. We're going to put his robe back on him. It's, it's there where you left it. Bring his ring. Where's his ring? It's over there. It's right where you left it. Bring, that, bring his shoes back over here. And you know what? We're going to celebrate which means when, when Jesus welcomes, he also restores. It's kind of like this. It's like, it's like he never left. Now, he did spend his inheritance, okay? There wasn't any inheritance left, but the Father's love was still there. You might have to pay for some things that you've gone through. You might have to live some sin down, but the Father's love is there, and it is as though you never left. And here's the, the thing about it. Restore, what does that mean? He, that means that he gave him back the life that he walked away from. Isn't that incredible? It's kind of like, if you ever decide that you're ever going to come home, we'll leave the light on for you. If you ever decide that you ever, you know what, I, I, wish, you, I wish you'd stay here. I wish you'd stay safe. I wish you wouldn't wa walk into a life of sin. I wish you wouldn't choose that path. But if you ever decide that you ever want to come home, you're welcomed and you're restored. Isn't that amazing? That's what Jesus does. This is your home. And I want to throw in this. The part that we leave out many times is the rest of the verse. Now the older son was in the field and he came and he drew near and he was asking, hey, and I'll just paraphrase this. He said, hey, what's going on with the party? The older son was saying this. And they said, well, your brother came home and they're celebrating and they did all this and they put the ring on his hand and they gave him the robe and they, they, they butchered, they're having a big barbecue over there at the house and the son wouldn't even go to the house. Now remember, Jesus was talking to Pharisees. The, the other son represents the Pharisees that have lost their sight of the lost. He wouldn't even go in the house. And the father comes out and he says, hey man, what's going on? Your son's come home. Uh, your brother's come home. And that other son said, your son, he didn't even refer to him as his brother, your son spent all of your inheritance on prostitutes and wild living, and he's come home, and you welcome him back like that, and I've been here all of these years, I have served him, I have been right here for you. And the father said to him, he said, hey, everything that I have has always been yours. You're missing the point. The point is, your brother, my son, was lost, but is now home. Here's what I want you to recognize. Here's what I want you to know about that. Jesus, who pursues, values, welcomes home those are lost, Jesus calls us as his church to do the same. Amen? Jesus calls us to do the same. A few years back when I was sending my daughter off to college, Somebody told me, gave me some important advice that stayed with me. He said this. He said, make sure that you keep her room, her room. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, when she moves out, when she moves off to OU, 
Don't take her room and turn it into your office or turn it into whatever you want it to be. Keep her room her room. And I said, why? He said, because you wanted to come home. And if you, if you wanted to come home, you got to give her a place that feels like home. Just as long as she's in college, keep her room her room. And I'll never forget that. And I actually did that. And, and when I dropped her off, I, I told her this. I said, Savannah, remember this. Same thing I told Baylor. Don't forget your home. Don't forget who you are. College is a place where, that, it, that where, where everything that you've ever learned is brought into question. Your belief in God, the things that I've taught you. College is a place where people lose themselves. They lose who they are. Don't forget who you are and don't forget that you have a father back at home. You also have a room that you can come home every weekend and see me if you want to. And I, I tell you that to tell you this. Faithco is home. And it's not just a home for us. It's a home for the people that are yet to be here. Amen? It's a home for people that feel homeless. It's a home for people that, that are going to give their life to Christ that haven't done it yet. And we need to keep this feeling like a home. Amen? We can't, lose our, we can't use our, lose our focus of those that are lost. We can't get so focused on ourselves and what we want and the way that we want the music to be, the way we want the preaching to be, the way we want the foyer to be, that we can't get so focused on the house that we forget that this is a place to come home. Amen? And here's what I want to tell you. If, if you're here today and you feel like you're far from God, and you don't know the Lord, I just want to tell you one thing. I just want to say this. Just come home. Well, Travis, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand the life that I live. You don't understand the people that I've hurt. Listen. Just come home. None of that matters. Like the story, the only thing that mattered to the father was his son was home. We can deal with all the rest. We'll put you through therapy. We'll read this, you know, we'll, we'll get you in a connect group. We'll do whatever it takes to get you healed and home if you will just come home. Amen? So no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, because of our Lord and because of his church, you can just come home. So Heavenly Father, we pray today and thank you, Lord, for those that are here and and the fact, Lord, that you brought us here to this place. Thank you for Faith Code Church, that it is, that is our home. Lord, I pray that you will speak to every person, especially those that don't know you. And if people are here and they need to come home, that's exactly what happens today in Christ's name. As every head is bowed, nobody moving around, nobody looking around. Real quickly, I'm just going to give one invitation. If you're here and you don't know Jesus... He's not Lord and Savior of your life. If you're here and you feel like you're far from home, even if you, you, you've gotten away from the Lord and you feel like you've lost that sense of knowing the Lord, whatever the case, you need to rededicate your life to Christ or today for the very first time you're going to give your life to Christ, just come home. If that's you, I want to pray with you. As we do here, I'm not going to... I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to, I'm not, in no way are you going to feel uncomfortable. You're just going to pray right where you're seated. But if that's you and today you want to make things right with God, 
I'd like to know if I'm praying for you. So with nobody looking around, if that's you, if you can say, Travis, I'm going to pray with you. I'm serious about this. Today, I'm going to come home. Today, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down, and I'll pray. Is there anybody that can say that in the house? I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just in case you're here and you feel like God's drawing you to come home, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to say a prayer to welcome you back. Can anybody say that before I, I let us go? Anybody in the house? I see your hand over there. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand over here on the left or on the right too. Anybody else? All right, we're going to pray. And as we pray, if that's you, if I didn't see your hand, that's okay. Just say this prayer with us. Give your life to the Lord. Come home today. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life, and I'm coming home. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, to wash me clean and whole, and today I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in you, Jesus that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate those that have come home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.